Free agent frenzy is here. The Maple Leafs sign Tyler Bertuzzi. The Dallas Stars add Matt Duchesne. And the Pittsburgh Penguins gamble on their goalie. We've got all that and a lot more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. want to thank everyone who makes Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube so you can get new episodes as soon as they drop. And you can also find us on SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search for Locked On NHL. It is great to have David Morissuti of Locked On Leafs back. Toronto has been busy this week between the draft and free agency. And the big news Sunday, David, Tyler Bertuzzi now going to wear the blue and white. Your thoughts about the acquisition of Bertuzzi? Yeah, I mean, it was. it's one of those where you hear the Leafs are, you know, among the teams interested in, a, in one of the bigger names of free agency. And you get a little skeptical of whether the Leafs can actually get it done until you see it actually put pen to paper. So little, um, I, I will say it seemed like the type of player the Leafs had always intended to go out and get. I'm the, what surprised me the most though, is that they, it's a one year deal because maybe I guess Bertuzzi just couldn't get that, you know, long-term deal that was out there. A lot of people felt like he needed to kind of refresh his value a little bit after, you know, a down year by his, by many standards, you know, he didn't exactly light the lamp last year, but you know, he seemed to get better when he left Detroit and went to Boston. A pretty decent playoff performance for the Bruins in that round one series. So lots of like there for the Leafs in that regard. You know, you're not tying yourself up long term to a guy. And it's uh, it just seems like the type of player the Leafs need, not only a good top six contributor, but also a player that plays with that edge, which this Leafs team desperately needed. And they needed to replace with Michael Bunting leaving. Yeah, and then, you know, you talk about Edge, Ryan Reeves also being signed. How did you feel about that, and where does he fit in, and how concerned are you about the length of the contract? Yeah, I, I was not I was not happy to see it was a three-year deal. Like, he's 36. That's not a deal you give to a 36-year-old, you know, especially one that's clearly a fourth-liner. This feel, felt more like a locker room type of addition than it was an on-ice edition based on how Brad Trillian was talking about it. And to me, like, yeah, there's some value to having a guy like that around, but $1.3 million is not a cheap contract for a player like that, it, with, especially when you do three years. So I, I can understand why the Leafs felt like they need to make that move. It was personally not one that I thought should have been prioritized. But when you look at the moves that went and followed it, okay, like at least that wasn't seen as just the only thing that they wanted to do in free agency, right? Like the problem was, is that that deal was done. Then you heard nothing from the Leafs and all these signings were happening and people were just like, oh, so we just made like Ryan Reeves our biggest priority and nothing else was happening. So in the grand scheme of things, that deal looks a little bit different now in the eyes of Leafs fans. I, I still think it's too rich for the type of budget that the Leafs have to work with. They're not exactly flush with a lot of cap space and they 
gave 1.3 million to Ryan Reeves, where I think you probably could have found some savings elsewhere. But a player like him usually can dictate a you know, a different type of contract because of what he brings, the toughness and things like that. Those guys have found ways to add value to their to their to their uh, negotiations just because of what they do and what they bring. How about John Klingberg? What were your thoughts on that acquisition? I, that one surprised me. I had no inkling that the Leafs were going to be going after John Klingberg. And a lot of, especially if you look at the analyst community, they're not too high on Klingberg because defensively he's had his struggles. But it's also clear that the Leafs have desperately needed to find a way to upgrade their production from the blue line from an offensive standpoint. Their, their top goal scorer on the blue line from last year was Timothy Lilligren, and he didn't even play all 82 games. He like he wasn't a mainstay in the lineup. And so it's clear that the Leafs value the production that Klingberg has. Good skating defenseman will help with the transition game. His defensive numbers are what concern me, though. That's something that's they're gonna have to really address, in my opinion, is whether they how they're gonna make that work. But a few years ago with the Dallas Stars. Uh, when he was in that that run to the probable run to the Stanley Cup playoffs, he had 21 points in 26 games. That's elite production from the back end in the playoffs. Something the Leafs just have not had in a really long time. Were you pleased with the draft in Toronto? I mean, the Leafs just didn't have a lot of picks, right? And so for for the Leafs, they went with more like projects, players with a lot of tools and a lot of characteristics they felt like they needed to add so yeah this this draft they they, they basically try to get quality because they didn't have the quantity of picks and they're not going to have a lot of picks because of all the moves that they've made to try to win the stanley cup so the, the Leafs are going to have to really hope that their development staff can work magics with guys like an easton cowan who surprise that was another surprise nobody expected him to be a first round pick so it's been a very odd summer. Uh, for, it's been an unpredictable one in a lot of ways for Leafs because nobody can really get a sense of what direction this front office is going in certain things. But, I mean, the, dom- the dominant conversation has always been the Stars and their next contracts. So w- with the draft picks, it's like you, you draft the guys like, well, how long is he going to stick around for? Because these are the guys that are usually being traded out to bring in help now rather than help down the road. As of right now, and we're still a couple of months away from the start of training camp, but do you feel this Leafs roster is better than where the team was at the end of last season? They have quite a few additions that they still have to sort through. Uh, I still think that blue line needs another defenseman. Would I say they're better? I can't say that right now just because they did they they loaded up so much at the trade deadline that all you see all these guys that left it's like it's a lot of holes that they have to fill. I do think they added more quality. Like in past years they've been bargain shopping at in free agency, but this this time around they've been adding more quality. So I think it, and unless we know exactly where things are if they're going to make a trade or how they're going to make the the money work with uh with some of these other deals. I still think there's moves to be made. I hear you're, they're still potentially looking at getting a maximum. I mean, by the time this comes out, maximum might be a leaf or he might sign elsewhere. I, I do think they need to make sure that they improve on their depth scoring. I think that's that's been their biggest challenge. 
and I'm still not convinced that they have enough of it. So the the next, I still think like I, this is an incomplete for me right now for the Leafs. I still feel like there's a lot more that needs to be done before I can really say they've improved. All right, David, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they can find the podcast and where they can find you on social media? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at the underscore more studio. Follow the show at Locked on Leafs, and you can follow us wherever you get your podcast from and also on YouTube. David, thank you so much. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting on MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you could spend on betting on everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. Met fan, Yankee fan, or a fan of any other team, you got to check out the odds at FanDuel on the app. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. It is my pleasure to welcome to the show a familiar face and voice to Locked On NHL listeners and viewers, Dane Lewis of Locked On Stars. And Dane, a very busy week here for the Dallas Stars, but the highlight has got to be the surprise addition of Matt Duchesne. What are your thoughts on this acquisition? Yeah, big, big surprise is definitely the way I, that I would describe that move. Uh, you know, you watch all these other, you know, transactions and acquisitions go down on Saturday and the stars had kind of, you know, shown some some flashes here and there, a trade uh, with New Jersey. And then, you know, they re-signed a defenseman in Joel Hanley. And then out of nowhere, you see that the stars are signing a player who, you know, was playing in the past three seasons with one of their biggest rivals in Matt Duchesne. And uh, I definitely was not expecting that move. But the more I've thought about it and especially looking at the contract that he signed, I think it's a pretty good move for the Dallas Stars. Only a one-year contract, $3 million for a guy who wasn't as great this past season, but two seasons ago, uh, 43 goals, uh, I think was you know close to 90 points. So you, you get a guy like that who gets to come in, and the expectation is that he you know he could find himself potentially on, on a third line for the Stars. Just, that's how deep the, the forward depth is for the team, especially you know when you just look at the offensive firepower, Robertson, hence Pavelski, uh, Wyatt Johnston, the 19-year-old, now 20-year-old rookie who scored 24 goals in his rookie season, Jamie Benn, you're hoping to see some of what he brought to the table last year as well, and Tyler Sagan as well, Mason Marchment, Evgeny Dodonov, who's been recently extended. So, you, you mean, it, it's a little complicated and a little messy in some ways, but it's exciting to have Matt Duchesne in the mix, knowing just what he can bring to the table at five-on-five five and on the power play as well. Uh, the Stars had a pretty decent first, or not pretty decent, great first power play unit. And then the second power play unit, I, I would say decent at best. Uh, just because all of the really good players were on that top unit. And then, you know, you, if you're able to throw in a guy like Duchesne on that second unit, I think that that makes them a little bit more dangerous uh, and adds a new layer to the Stars offense. And because of all the talent surrounding him, he's not going to be called on to be the guy in Dallas. And yet, because it's a one-year deal, he has a lot of incentive to have a great season. Yes, that's very true. So, I mean, whether he is interested in potentially staying long-term in Dallas or, you know, getting a, a paycheck somewhere else in the league, 
Uh, I think that he would be pretty motivated, especially with how things ended in Nashville. Uh, it wasn't just a you know contract ended. I mean, he was bought out basically. I mean, that's and I don't obviously don't know what was said between him and Predators management, but I mean that's kind of just a hey, we we don't want you. We don't we're not interested in your services anymore, and that can't be easy for any NHL player. So I imagine the motivation uh, is pretty high right now for Duchesne to continue to prove that he's got plenty left in the tank, which I believe he does at only 32 years old. And uh, I, it might be a weird transition having competed for so long against the stars in the division in Nashville and even in Colorado earlier on in his career. But I mean, he's joining a, a veteran deep team. And I think that he's going to, you know, once he kind of gets his, you know, gets everything settled and gets his feet wet with the organization that, you know, pretty deep into the season, we'll be mentioning his name amongst all of the other veterans on the team that are setting the example both on and off the ice. The draft was last week. Your thoughts on how the Stars did at the NHL draft? Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting draft because the Stars were without their first first round pick and then they were going into it without a third round pick, but they made a trade to to get one. And you know, it's interesting when you you look at all the players that they acquired because the deeper you go into the draft, it feels like the less information you have on some players. But I, I mean, I feel like it. You know, they had the luxury of taking the best player available at each position, just because they are pretty deep at the NHL level and they have some pretty nice prospects already in the system as well. So the pressure wasn't necessarily on to go out and get these franchise-altering players because you already have a lot of those guys in the organization at the moment, and some of them you know, in their prime in the NHL right now. So, I mean, you pick one player in each round, two through seven. And I mean, if you can get one or two of those guys to be decent NHL players, or maybe even a little bit better than that, I think that you can count that as success, but they kind of went all over the place. They got a few forwards, they got some defensemen, they picked up a goaltender. So not the flashiest draft by any means, but I mean, I, I don't think that it was necessarily a bad one either, but you know, only time will tell if it was worth giving up that first round pick last September in exchange for Niels Lundqvist, who the Stars are hoping uh, can embrace a little bit bigger of a role this season. Yeah, that obviously will be key. What what does this team still need to do between now and the start of training camp in September? I mean, what I would like to see them do, and it's going to be difficult with the current cap space, uh, just below $600,000 left in current cap space. I'd like to see the, the the defense get a little bit deeper. And as we're recording this on Sunday, I know earlier in the afternoon, the Stars did acquire Gavin Bayreuther from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, you know, he, he was a free agent. The Stars signed him to a, a pretty relatively cheap deal, uh, $775,000 for one season. I know that he has kind of spent some time kind of going back and forth between the NHL and AHL, but it's a one-way contract. So, I imagine that means the Stars are interested in him being in the NHL unless they think he can clear waivers. Uh, but I, I just feel like they need to do a little bit more because that's really where they got burned in the postseason. And you look at that Vegas Golden Knights team that just won the Cup. One, I mean, that, that defensive structure was very good, and so you have to give props to the coaching staff there. But they also had the personnel that could execute that structure night in and night out and play disciplined defense, block shots, but then also use that defense to help generate momentum down the other side of the ice. And the Stars do have some guys that can do that. And Miro Haskinen, I think Niels Lundqvist is going to you know, step up and, and be a little bit better this year. Thomas Harley, who's finally making the full transition from the AHL to the NHL, should be a nice addition as well. But there hasn't been too many other moves made to bolster that defense. And they traded away a veteran in Colin Miller yet on Saturday uh, in exchange for a fifth-round pick in 2024. So you can't necessarily say that the defense has gotten worse, but it certainly, in my mind, 
hasn't gotten much better since the season ended and, and since free agency is open. So we'll, we'll see what else is in store. If anything is going to change, it's probably going to have to come via trade, uh, which you know is going to be interesting because so many of the Stars players, especially the ones that provide pretty good value, have no trade clauses or no move clauses. So it's not just going to be as easy as trying to deal them. Although, of course, those players would have to you know, give permission to be dealt to wherever the Stars might be looking to send them. Is there a particular type of defenseman or role on defense that they need to fill the most right now? I think it comes, uh, the size department is a little bit more of what they need. And they do have some defensemen that pack some good size, but uh, you know, you want to get those guys that, you know, can play with a little bit of, of edge out there. And I know that they have a guy in the system right now, Leon Bichelle, who is the first round pick for the stars in 2022. I, I don't know if we'll see him in the NHL this year. It might be too early in his development, but I mean, a guy like that, I, I don't have his exact measurements, but I know he's a big guy and he has described his game as, you know, he likes to have the puck on his stick. He likes to help move and generate offense, but he also likes to be the guy that, you know, finishes checks along the board or, you know, hims offensive players in their own zones and makes it difficult for them to get the transition game going. And I really do think that's what the stars are lacking at this moment. You know, you have your Esselindels of the world, your Yanni Hockenpahs, but you know, both of those guys above or around the age of 30, not as fast as they used to be. And so you, you'd like to have a little bit of youthfulness out there as well as maybe a little bit more size because uh, it feels like at times the team can get pushed around a little bit. And I think that, you know, if they can get a little bit more of those enforcer type players out there, that makes it a little more difficult for the other team's offense to get going. And of course, gives a boost to the Stars defense, which in turn uh, helps Jake Ottinger and makes his job a lot easier every night. No doubt about that. Dane, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, Locked on Stars can be found anywhere that you get your podcast on YouTube or uh, your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Anywhere you can find Locked on NHL, you can find Locked on Stars as well. And I'm on social media, just at Dane double underscore Lewis and at Locked on Stars on Instagram and Twitter while we can still use it. I know that uh, there's been some some changes on Twitter as of late that maybe make it a little more difficult to use now, but we're, we're still there right now. <laughs> All right, Dane, thank you so much. Always great to talk to you. Yeah, of course. Thank you, Gil. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Penguins, Hunter Hodes. And Hunter, what a busy week it's been for the Pittsburgh Penguins Let's start in between the pipes. Were you surprised that Tristan Jarry is back in Pittsburgh? First off, Gil, yes, I'm gassed from all this stuff that's been going on <laughs> this week here with Kyle Dubas and the Pittsburgh Penguins. But yeah, that was the big new, one of the big news pieces of the day on Saturday. Tristan Jarry comes back five years, $5.375 million per season. I was definitely taken aback by it. I, I won't lie. It, it seemed like term was the big sticking point between the two sides, but. I think Kyle Dubas caved to what Jari was looking for, and he gave him the five years. I see it as a big risk, but it has both boom and bust potential. When Jari is healthy, I do think he is a good goaltender. You don't just post a 9-19 season and a 9-21 save percentage season for no reason. Like The talent is there. He just has to be able to finish an entire season now without getting hurt, being consistent. I think he's in that, you know, 8 to 12, 9 to 13 range of goaltenders in the NHL. He's not one of those top five to seven guys. And that's still a reason why I'm hesitant that they gave him a bit of term. But when you look at the other options out there, 
they were dwindling. Frederick Anderson goes back to Carolina. Auntie Ronta signs in Carolina. Cam Talbot is off the market. Jonas Corposalo somehow gets a five-year turn. I was very surprised by that. When it came down to it, you had Jari. Then you had mostly some trade options. Melka in Arizona. You had Linus Allmark in Boston, who was rumored to be out there. Connor Hellebuck. John Gibson, UC Soros. Kyle Dubas didn't want to pay any assets to get any of those guys. And he said, I'm going to bet on him. And he's doing that. And I think honestly, the whole organization is betting on him. The medical staff is betting on him that his injuries aren't going to be an issue. Andy Kyoto is betting on him that they're going to work together. And Kyle Dubas and the coaching staff are certainly betting on him to be the goaltender to really close out the Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin era. You mentioned Kyle Dubas, now the new you know, guy in charge here in Pittsburgh. What is your first impression of the moves that he's made in the last week even? Yeah, I mean, I love the Riley Smith deal. It's You can do a lot worse to replace Jason Zucker. Had 26 goals, 56 points this past season. Smith, that is, one year older, so it's not really that big of an age difference. I think he'll pop the Penguins 20 to 25 goals this upcoming season. I like the Nolachari signing. He'll give you a physical presence that I know fans love from a bottom six player. He'll score you some goals. He'll play good on the power play. He'll play good defensively. I like that one. Matt Nieto, he'll also give you double-digit goals, play good on the penalty kill, play good defensively. You're noticing a theme with some of these bottom six guys. The Penguins, I think, really took their penalty killing personally this past season with how bad it was, and they want to make sure they get that back to being a top five to top ten unit in the league. I also don't think they liked how many chances slash goals they bled in the bottom six last season. You can have a bottom six that doesn't score that much, but you also can't have a bottom six that just gives up a bunch of goals in their own end. You're not going to be seeing that here with the Penguins, even with Lars Eller. He may not have that goal scoring touch anymore. Maybe his skating has gone down a little bit, but he is still a good player defensively despite being 34 years old. So I do think the bottom six got a bit better. I still want to see the bottom six get an actual impact player down there because right now when I look at it, I kind of see just two fourth lines. I'm not trying to be harsh. That's just what I see personally. I want to see a player that can come in and maybe score you 17 to 20 goals, something like that. You have Nadelkovich coming in as like that third goalie. I don't know what that means for Casey DeSmith. You know, he's kind of a boomer bust goalie at this point, kind of similar to DeSmith, funny enough. But overall, you know, I don't think he's done. I like most of the moves. I don't have a problem with with almost any of them, except maybe the Eller one, the, the Jari one is also a bit risky. But I, I don't think he's done. I'm going to give him a little bit of an incomplete grade right now. I said on my... Saturday episode, I give about, you know, C plus, B minus, somewhere in that range. But that can go up or down depending on what else he does this offseason. But he's definitely done a lot of things to this roster. You talked about adding a bottom six guy who could add a little impact offensively. Is there someone out there that's targeted or rumored to be available that you think the Penguins might be interested in? Not right now. I would have loved for them to go after Evan Rodriguez again, had almost 20 goals a couple of seasons ago. I know fans may not like that he disappears at times, but what bottom six player doesn't do that, to be honest? It would have been cool if they would have landed someone like a Bertuzzi, someone like a Duchesne on some of these one-year deals. But in the end, Gil, you have these players have to want to come 
to Pittsburgh. The Penguins can go after them, but these players could also just say, hey, you know, I see this team, like, for example, the Maple Leafs as a team that could fully compete for the Stanley Cup, not a team like the Penguins right now who are kind of just in a weird spot. So maybe they did go after them. They said no, but it would have been nice to land a player like that who really could have given this Florida group a big oomph heading into next season. Right now, there's really been no big rumors forward-wise. They also are kind of capped out. That $20 million of cap space went right out the window in typical Penguins fashion. Whoever is running the show always likes to spend right up to the cap with no room. The only big rumor that's out there right now is the Eric Carlson stuff. The Penguins, I know, are very involved. I think it's them and the Hurricanes that have gotten – to the end, I think the Hurricanes are probably more of the favorite right now because they have the cap space and more assets. But hey, until it's done, you never know. I think the Penguins are willing to do it. It's just a matter of do the Sharks prefer that deal or Carolinas, or maybe there's a mystery team out there. But I still would like to get another bottom six forward in there that can really give the Penguins some more offensive production. And as far as the draft goes, how did you feel about Dubas's first draft running this team? You know, the, the Braden Yeager pick was definitely interesting. Heck, I, I did mock him to the Penguins. I got that right, even though I had some players above him who I thought made more sense who were on the board at the time, but they see him as a good two-way center. I personally think he may move to wing at some point because I don't think his two-way game is all the way there yet, but I think he has a top three to five release in the draft. Maybe he could be someone who scores 20 goals in the NHL, maybe puts up 45, 50 points, something like that. I think that's his ceiling right now at least but that could go a bit higher depending on how he does in junior league for the next season or two i like a couple of the other picks they had especially Pianni nemi that, that fun defenseman that they picked i think he's still a little bit raw further out and a couple other players who i also l- liked as well they're they have a really good russian scout that they, they must know how to find talent because the last couple of drafts they've done a really solid job with that. So I, I, I was fine with the draft. It's not, you know, that bad, but it's also wasn't just like an A plus or anything like that, but it's going to, the draft is going to get more important for this team as the years go on. It's not as important right now, even though you want to restock that prospect pool, but I still thought they did fine. All things considered. All right. Well, it's going to be an interesting rest of the off season in Pittsburgh. Hunter, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media. Yeah, you can find the Locked on Penguins podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Amazon Music, Sirius XM. Now just type in Locked on Penguins. You can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Lomas for Penguins, though. Who knows how long Twitter is really going to be doing this thing with the view limits and all this stuff. But you, know, you can find me on there. I'll be tweeting as much as I can until this temporary thing hopefully goes away at some point. Hopefully that'll be soon. Hunter, thank you so much. Always great talking with you. Yes, thank you for having me.
And again, thanks for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Every day or tomorrow on the show, we'll have the latest trade rumors and free agency signings and how they're impacting teams from around the league. So make sure you join us for that. I want to thank my guest, Dave Marasuti of Locked On Leafs, Dane Lewis of Locked On Stars, and Hunter Hodes of Locked On Penguins for joining me today. I'm Gil Martin. I'm here every Monday, and I co-host the Friday edition of the show along with Rachel Donner. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe, and thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL Podcast.